Today's program is brought to you by Michter's Distillery. Visit michters.com to find out how their taste is everything, cost be damned, attitude is creating some of the finest whiskeys available. Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni from Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to the main course on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I am Alexis McLaughlin, here as always with Philip Gilmore. Good morning. Uh, very excited. We have Katrina Birchmeyer in studio. Hi. Uh, Katrina is a front woman of uh, new but already acclaimed Williamsburg Wine Bar, Four Horsemen. So thank you so much for, for coming in and chatting with yeah, us. welcome. Thanks for having me. Uh, we got a lot going on. Right now, it's fall. It's been kind of busy. I know I've got uh, everything going on with Gotober. I don't know if you guys have heard, but the month of October has been changed to Goattober, uh, where we celebrate goat as a seasonal meat. We we were slaying it with the goat this weekend at Moku Moku. I heard you give a really good explanation, Goattober, at Moku Moku. To that couple that came in, yeah, you were well, trying. You were explaining basically well, why. I, I, yeah, I kind of, I kind of just like everything in my life. I just kind of wing it, and so I kind of, I've come, come, come up with this concept of uh, why Heritage is promoting goat is because there's been so many, you know, like really innovative uh, and you know, innovative uh, ways to you know basically raise animals in the last fifteen or twenty years, and everybody knows about Heritage pork and Wagyu beef and corn-fed versus grass-fed and all this stuff and uh you know everybody forgot about the little little goat farmers and so i think that just at, just as like the pork that you had 20 years ago or the beef that you had 20 years ago is now better in america if you know what you're eating so too is the goat completely the goat game has changed <laughs> so yeah yeah we were doing uh, we were doing goat chops which amazing they're just these little yeah. chops but and then also we were doing uh goat curry like japanese curry and it's just like everybody that had it was just like oh my god you know i love the goat buns and the goat gyoza you guys yeah. do oh yeah and then Sounds well do, do you know the original dish we did was the was the uh goat offal Oh, yeah. I always I don't I don't awful. know how to, awful. I Everybody, say awful because I always I love say awful. awful. Yeah, I love awful. But but we were uh, you know uh, we we were sitting around and we had this whole goat and we were in a new restaurant and we we're like what if, you know there's just this pile of you know basically garbage it's. and uh, <laughs> and we're trying to and I I always wanted to do some sort of uh, in my fantasies of fantasies I always wanted to do some sort of like uh, like uh, Japanese haggis and I'm like here's my chance and so you know the original one was. Uh, um, Basically, we did like uh, what's it? Farras al Hanout, the Moroccan lamb spice, dates, garlic, rosemary, and then just all the parts, and then made handmade gyozas. And the first time we did that, we just like sold out of them in like two days. So, yeah. Phil Phil is a huge awful fan. Yes, he lives for it. Is it? Is you're from Australia? Yeah. Is there a, a culture of eating awful and in, in, in the cuisine there? Uh, I mean, people do. I wouldn't say there's a culture of it. It's definitely for the more adventurous. Yeah. Yeah. 
But what about, what about like you know what 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 about like people uh, like kind of like indigenous people or poor people that like you know that like you know like half kangaroo the hearts. Yeah, like like if you know like a hundred years ago in Australia, if somebody kills a whole animal, do they utilize every part of it to eat or? Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I mean. I haven't read the history books on it, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> but you know, the kangaroo pretty much is a rodent and yeah. we eat that. Yeah. We kill them and eat them. <laughs> like, is there anybody, is there anybody doing like, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, force feeding kangaroos and making, you know, like hit, avocado fed yeah. kangaroo. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like hoppity <laughs> not, hoppity foie gras. <laughs> not yet, but that sounds like a good idea. I just There's said hoppity hoppity. I don't know what that means, but it, and it's an <laughs> it shows, that's, it shows that's you. the noise the kangaroo makes. <laughs> yeah. It jumps. Yeah. 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 It moves all the fat around inside <laughs> the liver. So it's extra fatty. Yes. <laughs> I've actually had kangaroo before. Any thoughts? Yeah. 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 I don't know. It was a thing that I ate. I don't really have strong memories. No. I don't have strong feelings for it or memories of it. No. I think I I, I I had like a kangaroo like tenderloin once. Yeah. One of those like kind of like, you know, like one of those places that do all exotic meats. And then I've also had kangaroo jerky before. Oh, really? Yeah. You can find kangaroo jerky pretty available. There was this restaurant in... Is Sydney and they do all these pizzas. They have like emu pizza, crocodile pizza, kangaroo pizza. <laughs> yeah, the know. face it's that you're a- making. If, if only our listeners, could yeah, right, see <laughs> behind the scenes. Not a fan. Not yeah, there's a, a lot fan. of. I guess uh, pe- people eat crocodile down there. I guess, yeah. Not really. really? Just that place. Well, you're talking <laughs> just to, for marketing. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Alexis might know of a, a, a restaurant in South Florida called RJ Gators. Oh yeah. Yeah, there's actually a chain, oh. there's actually a chain <gasps> restaurant, and it's basically like a. You know, like just South Florida trashy, almost like TGI Fridays or Applebee's. <laughs> but then they have like two or three things on the menu that are actually alligator. Gator steak? Yeah. Yeah, basically. Gator's Whoa. not good. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just, it, it, any, as anything, it, it tastes like what it eats. It's kind of just fishy. Um, th- this is completely yeah, off, off topic, but a little on Nothing's topic. Nothing's off topic. Yeah, okay, fine. What is the topic? Uh, uh, <laughs> Good uh, question. Rare animals. So, um, so they, I, I just, I was listening to Ten Ten Wins stuck in traffic, and uh, and they 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 announced that they, um, I guess it was Thursday was uh, uh, rare rare animal pet amnesty day in Long Island. So what? if you if you because if you have an illegal pet, you set up a couple of these centers, and you no matter what the animal is. No matter how illegal it is, you can bring it and you won't get arrested. Wow! Why do you bring it there? Like, like for? Oh man, there's so many reasons. Like, I mean, like, I mean, do you know about the like lionfish? Lionfish. I know and, that they're and, bad. And they're invasive. Well, they but, you, but but you know how it happened is it's uh it's actually kind of the uh, the the uh, plot line for Deuce Bigelow. Uh, you know that that whole like uh, like you know the, all these basically the story is that the, the conspiracy theory is all these Colombian drug dealers in Miami all had these huge like two million dollar fish tanks and they would buy lionfish which is like this really rare you know fish and then the lionfish would eat all the other fish and so they always lived like right on the bay and then these guys would like it happened so many times that people would just throw lionfish into the ocean that two found each other and now it's a complete epidemic in in all of like Gulf of Mexico and Bahamas and they're eating all the all the oh, fish no. so actually if you're a spear fisherman and it's your duty like like if to you kill see lionfish, yeah you have to kill it so wow yeah and then also too there's like anacondas and like boa constrictors in the everglades now and they're like you know 30 feet long and so it's all about like two of these released animals finding each other and then breeding and it's happening all the you know yeah 
Everglades. The people they go on like these crazy hunts for the anacondas down there. Yeah, like they'll just you know the entire communities like pitchforks and, and pillowcases. Oh, and, and then also oh, I didn't even remember. And then also too, uh, rich kids in Bushwick. They they're multiplying. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the know, next invasive species. Sixteen years ago, there was no rich white people here, and look, and then they just cut two of them, found each other, and just started multiplying. Yeah, and there I am feeding them sushi. <laughs> yes, and don't yeah, don't feed them after midnight. They're like little gremlins, you know. You you feed them once, and then are you are you worried right now that you're alienating your customer base? No, no. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, sometimes, you know, we'll, we'll, there's always rumors for, like, ever that, you know, there's going to be a new hotel here or there. And people are like, you know, oh, yeah, that's going to suck. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I know. It's going to be so sad. All these, you know, all these people are going to come eat at my restaurant. It's going to be so... <laughs> all these new customers. <laughs> yeah, boo-hoo-hoo. Um, yeah. So tell us. Tell us about your childhood. <laughs> childhood. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's Let's... pretty pretty boring. No. Mm. I had a great childhood, actually. Yes. Thank you. Did you have any exotic pets? I never, you know, my first pet was two goldfish. That was all I was allowed to have because my parents feared I would, you know, have a puppy, get obsessed with it for like six weeks and then be done with it. And they didn't. And that's what happened with the goldfish. Really? (laughs) What were their names? Steggles and Stumbles. Steggles and Stumbles. I don't know why. How long did they last? Um, I ended up giving them away. They, they, you know, they, they had a pretty good life, but they were neglected. At some point. They could have done the inverse, which is bought, bought you like a little baby Tasmanian devil, and then it would only take one time for it to bite your finger, and you're like, I don't ever want to pet again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, they bought the very calm goldfish. That was all I was allowed. <laughs> not the so not, not exotic, no. Yeah. No. Uh, so you came you came to New York to help open Four Horsemen, yes. um, which is really interesting. If you guys haven't, haven't heard, uh, really interesting wine bar. They've got a pretty... You know, advanced wine list, like with you know, focusing and featuring natural wines. Yeah, uh, they found you they somehow. Found you were in Tasmania. You had yep. your own restaurant that you'd mm-hmm. opened, um, yep. Garagique. Garagiste. Garagiste, yep. and uh, that that had a pretty interesting yeah. wine program too, based around natural wines. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I well. This is not the story of my childhood, but this, my <laughs> professional life story. No, so I opened Garage East um, in 2010. Um, and to set the scene, Hobart is the capital of the state of Tasmania, which is the tiny island off the bottom of Australia. Uh, so it's pretty isolated. So, you know, we have there is a small kind of wine industry in Tasmania and, you know, to bring in natural wines and all these wines, crazy wines from around the world was... Uh, a little bit unusual and um yeah it was a pretty kind of quiet place that hadn't seen a lot of action so we started this restaurant um with pretty innovative and interesting food like focused on a lot of local ingredients and had growers you know growing heirloom vegetables and such for us um was the food scene down there was, was were other people doing interesting no, things or they are now local? but we kind of i mean we did sort of pioneer that like that industry oh that sounds a bit pretentious but we did (laughs) you know we did sort of kick something off where you know there's a lot of young people doing interesting things there now in the food scene um and natural wine had kind of you know there were a couple of importers who were starting out like maybe i don't know 2007 8 they were starting to import those kind of wines and then we kind of were one of the first places to really focus on that as a restaurant in um, Australia all the way down in Tasmania so we were pushing boundaries um, and you know we 
took a great liking to natural wines. We just found that they had an interesting story, interesting flavour profiles. Um, Can you define a little bit well, natural wine? Because yeah. it's something and that I've heard. And also what the client... Oh, natural wine? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it's not something that I that yeah. know the definition, like what, no. what makes a wine considered I guess, natural wine. I mean, there's different... I mean, it's a, it's a term that, you know, brings up a lot of arguments, I guess. It's not necessarily a totally official term, but the way I look at it is uh, wines that are made from grapes that are grown, you know, chemical-free, um, so either organic or biodynamics, not necessarily certified. Um, in the winemaking process, there'll be um, no additives. Um, there are actually a lot of additives in more commercially produced wines. Um, so no additives except for maybe a little bit of sulfur dioxide as a preservative at bottling. And uh, the wines are made with the uh, grapes' natural yeast, so not adding a commercial yeast that really controls the fermentation and also controls the flavour profile of a wine. So these wines can go crazy because they're let to do their <laughs> own thing with their own yeast. So um, that's kind of how I look at natural wines. Um, they're also very small production, so often difficult to get your hands on. Um, yeah. Who, when did we start putting a bunch of additives in wine? Like, when did wine, because I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. assuming that back in the day well, exactly. when wine was around, it was yeah. all natural wine. Yeah. When did we get away from... I don't know exactly when it was, but, you know, I guess it's like, like anything with growing of food and when farming became more of an industry, not just... Um, yeah, when, when, the, when it grew. The commercialization. I guess the commercialization... Um, and people, you know, wine became a product that was marketed and it had to fit a certain, you know, profile year after year after year. People want consistency. And I guess with natural wines, um, you get like something different every year. It is an expression of the place, the weather, the winemaker every year. It's different and it's not manipulated to change that, to bring it back to a certain thing. It's, it defines, you know, it's, it's basically what happened that year in a bottle. Are there certain varietals that lend themselves better to natural production? Or do you see any, you know, any repetitive, or is it really run, run the gamut? Yeah, everywhere. Any, any varietals. I mean, a lot of producers um, will be, you know, are bringing back kind of, indigenous or forgotten varieties in their regions um i guess a lot of the larger commercial wineries may have come into certain regions and started planting certain grapes that might grow better and yield better um so we you know there are i guess you'd call them farmers but the winemakers that are bringing back um forgotten varieties i guess like same same with you know the heritage foods that you work with yeah awesome um, you, you were talking about uh, as far as uh, the food goes uh using local ingredients like uh obviously there's a lot of fish down there i'm assuming but yeah. uh, but also too like the, uh, maybe talk about a little bit about the fish uh that might be different that only tasmania has and then are there any uh like fruits or vegetables mm -hmm. or uh, animals that you're serving that that might uh, you know obviously that will, would differ from new york and the united yeah. states but is there anything specific to just tasmania that separates itself from like new zealand and australia i mean uh, Tasmania has, you know, cold, very clean waters, so a lot of good fresh seafood, um, amazing oysters, like I've never tasted any so good, so creamy. Um, I guess, you know, I'm sure there's, there's certain species of fish that are different, like the striped trumpeter, which is kind of like a, 
don't know, a bit like a cod, I guess, in a way. I don't know. Probably got that wrong, but... <laughs> um, you we're, know, not, we're not counting points. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so seafood was definitely a focus. I mean, there's a lot of the seafood actually in Tasmania would get exported to Japan, mm-hmm. to Hong Kong and things like that. We had a very good eel farmer who we worked with, so we used to get live eels. Um, they're, butcher, fun to, they're, they're, so, they're so fun to work with, right? They are crazy. There was this one time because we would get them live and we'd, we'd butcher them. They basically, the chefs would slit their, or chop their heads off, I think, even, yeah. and let them bleed out in an ice bath and in the walk-in cool room. And then, you know, it'd be like 8, 10, 12 hours. And then somehow one of the eels that had had its throat slit was out of the um, container that had a lid on it on the floor in the middle of the walk-in. Yeah. So they kind of go crazy for a, a fair while after you, you, you can actually, them. You can actually, the first time I ever worked with eels, I was completely out of my element. And I actually got, I'm like, I'm going to make live eels. And I was doing it by myself. And I was like, oh, it's just, I'm going to let it just kill it. And then I, I killed it and then still moving. And then I chopped it into pieces <laughs> And then it was still moving. And then I said, okay, well, I'm going to make a marinade. And then it was really freaking me out, like, like almost like haunted. I, so I put a marinade of, like, you know, sesame oil and garlic and ginger and soy sauce, blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, I so freaked out that I just put it in the freezer. I'm like, this is going to kill it. And I came back 30 minutes later, and I swear to God, I thawed it, and then it started moving again. I'm yeah. not I'm like, they just, like, something in. Their nervous system. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Jeez they're kind of crazy. Yeah, so we had fun with that. Um, we had uh, an amazing grower. She She's still doing her thing, but she would grow lots of heirloom vegetables and, like, Australian native herbs and things like that. So we got a lot of interesting stuff from her. Um you know, and you know, we were very close to farms, so it was like pretty amazing what we could get our hands on. What, what, the, the climate is pretty cold there. It's pretty cold. I mean, it's um, it's not New York winter. It's cold. not New York winter <laughs> cold. I'm scarred from New York winter. Can I just say? Um, but yeah, it's it's a cool, you know, relatively cool climate. Um, but it's we're able to grow a lot. We were able to grow a lot of different things there, like even some kind of, you know. Asian herbs that might grow in more tropical climes, but yeah, it's um, there's lots of li- little different microclimates as well. So, is that mountainous? There are, I mean, there's some kind of smallish mountains. Yeah, <laughs> some craggy hills. Craggy hills. Did, were you able to find natural wines in Tasmania that were being produced, produced. in Tasmania or Australia that? Y- yeah. You hadn't found before? I mean, I'm familiar with Kim Crawford, but... Uh. Mm. Well, we had... There was um, uh, one winemaker, Dirk Muir, who um, became a very good friend of ours, and he had a very, very small vineyard, one hectare, and he um, was making wines naturally, basically, and he, um, he unfortunately, has since sold his vineyard because he's a little bit too old to make wine anymore doing it as a one-man show but his his wines were pretty amazing there's a lot of people now moving towards biodynamics down in tasmania um but in australia in general there's a lot of fun stuff happening in south australia in the adelaide hills and um stuff in victoria as well there's a few producers that bring their wines over here james erskine from um jama wines uh who else is there there's anton van klopper from um, Lucy Margot. So, yeah, you'd see a few here, but, you know, it's tiny production, so, yeah. Actually, when I uh, when I first started uh, Momo, we, we actually served, uh, uh, we only had one one white and one red by the glass, but I think it's called uh, Yellow and Blue. 
you know this winery? I do not. It, it comes. I? It comes. Yeah, it's uh, it's great. It comes. It actually comes in a one liter box. Oh. But it's like, and and but it, it, they kind of. I, I guess they switched owners, and it was hard to get, so we couldn't get it anymore. But it was a. Uh, it was for the price. It was great wine. It was biodynamic. Yeah. Yeah. It was biodynamic and natural and all that stuff, and it couldn't have been. And better, they do but. it in the box because it's like uh, more environmentally sound than all the. Um, yeah. Bottles and. Well, you you know the, the the what kind of sold me on the box wine was like you know. They they were saying, listen, if you're doing some like, you know, some amazing Bordeaux wine and, you, and you're going to wait 20 years to drink it, by all means, put it in a bottle, put mm. a cork made out of cork. That's fine. But for something that is going to be put on the shelf and, and bought and drink immediately, the fact that it's coming from Australia, it's like so wasteful for it to be because the, the glass is, you know, heavy. the glass is heavy and the cork is made out of mm-hmm. cork. And then even if you do the plastic, you know, thing, that's that times a million is a million mm-hmm. of those things that doesn't need to be in it. It was not going to, it's going to taste exactly the same if you had a cork and put it in glass. And, and if you're doing it by the, in, in the, in a box, it's vacuum sealed in the yeah, case. It tastes exactly yeah. the same, you know, you yeah. know, can we, can, can someone define for our listeners who may not know what biodynamic is not me because I don't know. <laughs> well, it's just fireworks, man. Yeah, it's, just oh, fire. it's you know, uh, it's an extension, I guess, of organics in the sense that it's also dealing with or looking at things like the, you know, the moon cycles and like, yeah, it's with an emphasis it, also, I think, on the on the cl- like clean water is one of the yeah, things, and also. Um, I guess it's about... Um, Does it describe it, more the farming system? It kind of sounds yeah, like... It's, it's kind of like that. And also, like, you know, what do you say? Like, not preventative, but, like, just building healthy, you know, a healthy environment for for growing and... Um, without all the you, chemicals and Without all the chemicals. And, yeah, I mean, there's a lot more in-depth than that, but... It's like one it's, step, because organic step, doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. So it's like one step up, you It's know. a step further, I guess. So it's way. like it's a, like a well-balanced fish aquarium that takes care of itself because yeah. it's balanced. <laughs> uh-huh. It's like the Star Trek uh, simple analogy yeah. coming in. All right. Yeah. I was just wondering. Yeah. You're biodynamic. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Phil. Uh, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, so, uh, so, so maybe uh, tell us the story of how they uh, they found you. Yeah, yeah, how'd you get how'd you get poached? How <laughs> did I get here? Um, you were at an LCD sound system concert, <laughs> and then they saw you in the crowd and like, who's that? Pulled you like, up on stage like yeah. Courtney Cox. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happened. Um, but the story I tell is um, no. Uh, f- so Randy Moon is one of the co-owners of um, the Four Horsemen, and he and I any relationship to or relation to Keith Moon? Not that I know of. <laughs> um, and he and I turned out have a mutual friend in Australia, and this friend Mike uh, connected me and Randy. Um, this was last year, the middle of last year, and uh, I happened to be in the states at that time. Was visiting my wife's family in Colorado and we kind of hooked up came over to New York for one night met like all the partners and then and I ended up with a job two days later <laughs> went oh, back wow. to Australia um kind of uh I was sort of we were in the throes of kind of uh closing things up with garages we were on the market and and we ended up selling this year but uh so I kind of transitioned out of there and moved to New York in November and yeah and that's that's how they found me and that's how I ended up here 
That's that's a that's long way to go. That's not as exciting as the story so, so you when, were telling, Phil. Um, but well, when, when did you when did you move here? Uh, November last year. November. Oh, so you were part of the process of. I mean, if it's yeah. November, they probably already had things moving along in the restaurant. Things were moving, so there was the basically construction period, and like yeah, just all the setting up, getting to know each other, finding stuff, and yeah, uh, yeah. So, so I was involved, yeah, pretty much from the very beginning. Yeah, and so so you're the GM, and mm-hmm. uh, um, do you also uh, do do? You, it sounds like you know a lot about wine. Are you responsible for the wine program? Yeah, I take care of the wine program with also with uh, one of the other owners. We do that together, and um, I don't really know that much about wine. Yes, you do. <laughs> I just drink <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I was that makes like, you a, an expert by proxy. Yeah, yeah right. right? Like people yeah. are like, "How do you know about wine?" I'm like, "You just drink it." Well, that's 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 uh, like probably I would say twice a year. I have uh, friends or customers that approach me, and they're like, "Oh, I'm going to start my own restaurant and bar," and then I'm just like, "Please don't do this." Don't. Yeah, don't. yeah. Well, because people think like I've eaten I've eaten food and <laughs> and drank things since I was born, so that makes me an expert about this thing. And so, like, yeah. So I'm not buying that you're a wine expert because you drink wine. For First of all, um, but I, what I was going to say is that what I really like about your menu is um, it, it's a pretty it's a pretty large large wine menu, mm-hmm. and what I really like about it is it's a it's a perfect balance between uh, a few things that I find important in wine lists, which is first of all I hate when I look at a big wine list and then the cheapest bottle is a hundred dollars. Yeah, I hate that. I also hate if I see a wine list a big wine list and then I know every single wine on it. Yeah. And then I also hate a wine list where I don't know one of them. Yeah. So it's this. It's like with the price and the types of wine that you have and the varieties. There's a couple of things I've never heard of. There's a couple of brands I've never heard of. But then there's just a lot that I have heard of. Mm-hmm. And then the price is like you know I think your low bottle is like I think like twenty eight dollars or thirty dollars, and then yeah. it goes up to the multi hundreds. And I, I just I like I like that because you know yeah it like appeals to everyone. I think yeah exactly that like it's quite accessible and. Um, we, I mean, we want to share these wines. We love these wines and, you know, all part, part of it is just sharing and like letting customers experience things, like not making anything unattainable. Mm-hmm. Um, and that also comes through in the service as well. Like all the staff are really on board with all that. They love talking about the wines and, you know, we try and drink as much as possible how so we it, can talk about the wines. training a staff? A, yeah. You know, on an extensive wine list. Mm-hmm. I've been in, and I, I have to say, I had, you know, an amazing um, experience every time I've been in. Yeah. And have had some, like, really great conversations with yeah. the staffs about the wine. Yeah. Tried wine I would have never had before. Mm-hmm. They were excited about. Yeah. It just seems daunting, though, to, you know, bring people to that level. Although, I guess in New York, you probably are they, working with some experience. Yeah. They, they, they actually go to AA meetings, and then they <laughs> sit there anonymously, and then they find that one person that, like, yeah, I was drinking, like, 12 bottles of wine a day for the last 10 years, and then they're like, that's our, that's, that's that's, that's, that's our waiter. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. That's not a bad <laughs> idea, actually. Sorry. Yeah, but, I mean, we try and do regular tasting like every couple of weeks and obviously everything that is by the glass is always available for you know we let customers try things like it's one thing to try and explain a wine and the flavor profile of a wine but the only way you really know is to taste it Mm -hmm. um so we do a lot of that and you know we change the glass selection often so we get to try a lot of different things in that way as well and you know we have a lot of regulars that come back and they always want to try something new so keeps us excited keeps the customers excited and Nice. Yeah, great. Uh, and then oh, 
Um, I was just going to say, let's take a quick break. Great. And then we'll, we'll be back to talk more uh, natural wines. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, this is Linda Palaccio, host of A Taste of the Past. And you know, I remember my very first show, December 2009. It was a cold winter. And my first guest was William Grimes from the New York Times. Now, the one specific I had to tell him was, wear a hat, gloves, and a warm coat, because our studio had no heat. We had no heat in the winter. We had no air conditioning in the summertime. It was rough going, but we were a startup, and we had a good show, regardless of the fact that we could see our breath. So today, we still have hurdles to climb over, and the only way we can get there is with your help. So if you would please consider being a member and press that little beating heart button in the upper right-hand corner to donate. It's going to help us have heat and electricity and air conditioning and really good sound with really great guests. Thanks for listening. And we're back with the main course on Heritage Radio Network. We are in studio with Katrina Birchmeyer from The Four Horsemen. And we were just chatting about natural wine and wine list. Uh, Phil, I never realized you had so many feelings about wine lists. Oh man! Are you I learned something me? today. Yeah, man. I, I well, I got into uh, for you to know Katrina. I yeah. uh, got into sake about <laughs> seven mm. years ago, and I love sake like more than anything me else. Too. And uh, and but before that, I was really immersed in the wine world. I, yeah, uh, yeah. I um, yeah. I've worked at yeah. I've worked. I, I basically my my history is I worked in a lot of fine dining restaurants. So there was one restaurant in particular that I worked at in in Palm Beach, and they 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 hired like you know a month before the season started and to, and to work there you know if you worked there last year you can work there again but uh if, if you were new you had to take like a four-day wine class and it was four hours a day with their sommelier like it was pretty intense That's so cool. so uh yeah so i got to see some neat wines along the way nice yeah that is a nice perk of, of the service industry in general is like yeah. you you do get exposure and, and you know great food great wine but I, I love, I love, uh, you know, obviously I love restaurants and I love, rest, you know, food and wine and all that stuff. But I, I you know, any time that I had to learn a wine list, I, I would get excited about it because I would, you know, yeah. it'd be like it's like new knowledge. And, you know, there's so many subtle nuances between each thing that it's and I totally. wanted to try them also. Yeah. yeah. Katrina, do you have any favorites on the wine list that you're that you're super excited about? Favorites. So many. Um, what do you gravitate towards? Well, wine, wine. <laughs> yeah. Um, some favorites at the moment. Uh, so we have this kind of crazy uh, orange sparkling wine, which is um, called Vague, Ve- I think V E J. It's from um, Italy. And so orange wine. This is another funny thing that we talk about orange wine, which is. Basically, skin contact white wine. So, 
it's funny because everyone's like, well, orange wine isn't an official term. And I'm like, well, if orange wine is an official term, then red wine isn't an official term because basically it's just describing the color. But anyway, the context of orange wine is that it's uh, white wines fermented on skins. Um, so pick, the wines pick up a lot of different characters from that. Isn't that like rosé? Isn't rosé just so, fermented well, on skins? Or is it just... It's, the, it's basically like white wine made like a red wine. So rosé is um, very short skin contact of red grape varieties. And red wine is long skin contact of red grape varieties. And then orange wine is long skin contact of white grape varieties. Anyway, so we have this crazy orange sparkling wine, which is extremely interesting and just like so aromatic. And then it's like really dry and just like one of the most crazy things you'll have. It's just so kind of captivating, like that someone made a wine like that. I I like that sort of interest in a wine. Like really someone made that like... I think that that's really interesting. So that's a fun wine. We also have, like, there's uh, one of my favourite producers. Um, his name's Axel Prufer, and his um, domain name is uh, Le Tom de Cerise, and he makes, like, really light, uh, fun um, red wines from the Languedoc, and we have one on at the moment called the Fudua, which we're pouring by the glass, and so that's my staff drink every night. <laughs> that's the fun thing about curating the uh, wine by the glass list. Like, yeah. <laughs> put on the things you want to drink at the end of the night. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's some fun stuff. Um, or, or you can make it, you know, like a moment's decision of like, I, I really think that this, uh, this Chateau Margaux should be by the glass. <laughs> right. I, so that means I should open this and try it. Totally. Oh, no, we're not going to do this yeah, by the that's glass. No now good. I should just no, finish yeah, the whole bottle. Totally. <laughs> are there, what are the considerations when you're choosing a wine, you know, to put on the list by the glass? Um, well, there's a few. Obviously, price is one to be you know relatively affordable by the glass um having a number of different flavor profiles um and having some that will pique interest some that will kind of make people turn in disgust and some that will just be like good you know easy drinking wines if people don't want to think too much about things so yeah we i mean we change things like almost every week we try and have something new um yeah, I guess that's the main consideration. And then, yeah, fun new stuff that maybe we get a small allocation of that we want to share as well. I kind of I notice this. I, correct me if I'm wrong, mm. but it's, it's, mostly, it's mostly French. Mm, yeah. And then there's some Italian, Spanish, yeah. and United States. Yeah. But then I didn't really see much of like, you know. The rest uh, of the world. Yeah, like Hungarian or Chilean or. No, we, I mean. Canadian the, ice wine. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the aim is to build some of those other sections into the wine list as well um but yeah i guess our our palette is a lot you know more francophile um i want to build the italian section but yeah there's there's a lot of wine out in the world that would be great to have on the list but mm. you know so it's it's like do we just kind of keep it this small focus um and then you know slowly we'll expand and build on some of those other sections like i don't know that much about spanish wine so i want to get into that and, and try and grow that Love as spanish well wine. Mm. i think i think uh, a lot well for the past year we've been seeing in a lot of restaurants that i've been to at least is uh, a lot of hungarian and yeah then, and then also i mean especially like blanca and roberta's really uh the sardinian sardinian oh, yeah. wine. there's a lot of good stuff coming out of mm-hmm. croatian wine too yeah, yeah. Oh. 
Slavic yeah. wine. Yeah. Uh, is there are there more natural wine producers in in France, or is like a disproportionate I mean, to the rest of the world is that why? I think there's, there's a lot, and I think that that's what we have access to in this country a lot more so than than some of the others. I mean, Italy as well is growing, but yeah, I think a lot of it is. Yeah, having the access to that. Um, I've become kind of interested in Georgian wines. So we've got um, like... Like Atlanta, Georgia? Peach later? <laughs> <laughs> the Not Republic Georgia. of Georgia. Yeah. Um, so chicken, yeah, had- <laughs> ch- chicken and Waffles Vineyard. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the new section on yeah. the wine list. Um, yeah, so we've got some interesting... There's some interesting stuff brought in from, from Georgia. Some, you know, things that I've never seen before. So, like a lot of their stuff is... You know, a lot of the stuff that we see is orange wines. That's their, I mean, that's what they call white wine. That's how they've always made white wine on skins. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some interesting reds from Georgia as well. So that's been super fun to experience that. I haven't seen a lot of that stuff back in Australia. So the Four yeah. Horsemen was actually the first time I ever tried orange wine, mm. to my recollection. You, really? Yeah. Wow. I just never had it. Mm. I felt like kind of a dummy. I was like, what's, what, a lot of, what's this worry. orange wine? Did they put orange slices in it? Has any, has <laughs> There's anybody a lot ever, of first time. <laughs> um, the, the first orange wine I ever had was a, uh, a wine, a, a vineyard called uh, Boone's Farm. And they have a <laughs> wine called Orange Jubilee. Wow. Yes. And there's that a, is actually from Atlanta, Georgia. No, no. And then, and then, and then there's a, there was this great place called the Haitian Station. And it was in uh, West Palm Beach, Florida. And they would they would sell us marijuana and uh, cheap cheap wine at, at like 16 years old. Yeah. So, yeah. Boone, check Boone's. it out. Boone's Farm uh, Orange Jubilee. It's the best Liz, one out of all can, of them. Can we get a link to that yeah. in this, this week's episode? Yeah. Thanks. Boone's Goon. Do you yeah. use that word for, for wine? Goon? Maybe that's yeah. an Australian thing. It's like bad, oh. bad wine. Call it goon. Oh, can, goon. can we hear the it in the goon. Easterner sentence? Yeah. Boone's goon. Boone's I mean, <laughs> but does it always come? Does it always follow goon or boon? So no, no, no. So I mean, it's like, like this wine is real goon, man. No, <laughs> no. It's like the wine is the goon. Like it's like. I don't know. It's like what sixteen-year-olds drink. Oh, that's goon. that would be that would one hundred percent be boons. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah there's Mad Dog twenty twenty Boons Farm. Yeah. yeah. Um. So so can, so tell us a little bit about the food and the chef. Do you have mm-hmm. do you have any input since you're the GM and are, are you a partner there as well? I guess no. Okay, just the GM. Ju- yeah. Just the GM. Just, just the GM. GM. But as far as the food, do you have uh, since you're such an integral part of the wine list? Do you have uh, do you do you actually have you know Some any input? input on the food? I mean, we. I definitely get to try the dishes. I always like to give my feedback. Um, but the chefs have... A, I like to give my feedback, too. <laughs> the chefs have a really good understanding. Like Nick Cotola, the chef, he also loves natural wine, and so he's got a really good understanding of the kind of flavours that work with the wine. And he will, you know, we he will talk about, okay, is, you know, such and such flavour too strong for the wines? And we always try and work towards, you know, wine-friendly food because we've got food-friendly wine. So um, I have a little bit of input, but um, they know what they're doing. Yeah. So. You guys have yeah, a great food menu. Yeah, and the food yeah. menu is great, too. It, it actually kind of is, is also the same with the uh, the wine list. It's it's just very approachable. Yeah. It's, and, you know, Price point's great. And, and also, too, mm. I don't know who's responsible for the wording on the menu, but I'm very, very picky about mm. at Momo or any of my restaurants or when I go to, like, you know, sometimes people 
put like one or two words and then other times people put zero words and sometimes they put like 30 a words. Paragraph. But but I just love I love if you just say okay this this is the dish mm-hmm. and then here's a couple of the highlighted ingredients yep. and you don't have to go into like you know yep. that you I don't know soaked the freaking turkey broth for 10 days. I don't care. Yeah. Like you know it's just about the, the way that you worded the menu is so yeah. simple and elegant. I really I really yeah. appreciate that. No, that's definitely something that um you know the owners were very um, adamant about like making it sound I guess a little bit more simple and then like b- there being a surprise on the plate because mm. it you know make you know undersell and over deliver in a way did, did we did we not put live eel on the description <laughs> there? oh I'm so sorry surprise <laughs> yeah exactly oh we forgot the live bit yeah yeah it's catch your own eel slaughter it and eat it five hours later when yeah. it stopped moving yeah, yeah. <laughs> And uh, and and so is is uh, it looks too also um, that you guys are doing kind of like farm to table, like a, like with a lot of the ingredients, like yeah. kind of heirloom ingredients. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the chefs go to the markets, the green market weekly, um, and always looking for interesting things. We've got you know building connections with farmers so that we can have heirloom varieties, interesting ingredients, and you know tasty ingredients i think that that's the thing i like most about the menu is uh that it is you know farm Mm -hmm. driven Mm -hmm. but they're not punching you in the face to tell you it's from the farm that's right (laughs) because all food comes from a farm. all food in one way is farm to table yeah 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 farm to table Um, what does that mean do do do, do you guys use heritage out of here yeah 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 i don't know heritage pork but we should get some goat yeah, you guys. We need go. I mean, Goatober. Yeah. Goatober. Goatober. I'll happi- <laughs> happily deliver you guys some go. I'll bring it over myself. All right. Sit down for a glass of wine. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. it's it's nice. It's it's. I would say it's really a veg forward kind of menu though, which is yeah a, a nice treat, yep. especially for me. I eat so much. Meat. You eat a lot of meat. All the like time. a lot of goat currently. I'm eating. I've been eating so much goat lately. Is uh, is uh, I'm I'm sorry. I don't know more about Nick because I should have done more of my my research. That's but uh, okay. but uh, does uh, does, it seems that he has a lot a lot of Spanish influence as well. Yeah, he. I mean, I think they they do draw a lot of influence from around the world. But the world. Spanish, Mediterranean, mm-hmm. Italian. I mean, he cooked in Piedmont for some time nice. as well, and. Um, his background, like Franny's and Gladys in its former... Oh, yeah, Franny yeah. came from Franny's. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, um, yeah. Franny's is a great spot. Yeah. Franny's is great. Yeah. Yeah, I, I saw I saw the, the hake on there, and that's, like, I always, mm-hmm. like, I never remember about hake. It's such a Spanish fish. Yeah. You know, hake? I know. Really? I'm not a... You know, I did not grow up eating a lot of fish, so it's just something that I'm in, in incredibly... Yeah, in South Florida. <laughs> you I'm ate gator. Yeah. I ate gator. I had a lot of frog's legs. Yeah. Um, those are super easy and delicious. No, my family is, is all from New York. You know, uh, Bay Ridge, Italian background. Mm. It's just not... You know, shellfish... Uh, clams, mm. mussels. Yeah, have you, you, do you know hake? Have you ever? Heard I've hake? never. Yeah, it's a super Spanish fish. It's. Uh, but I think. That, but the weird thing is, I think you can get hake in 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 the Northeast, but you just don't really see it on menus. It's. Mm. But uh, actually, one time uh, I actually used to work at a Spanish tapas restaurant. It's one of the best things I've ever had. It was a uh, basically a paella, but they have like it's not even the cheeks. It's like this little muscle oh. right under 
the the jawline. It's just this, this little tenderloin thing, probably about an inch and a half long. But it's like it's like fifty dollars a pound. But you can just buy those just from the hake, and so, so you just buy it. It's like, it's like two per hake, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, like <laughs> yeah, it's only, yeah. It's, it's two per hake. So you, when you buy it, it's like fifty dollars for a pound of it. And then, but that with paella is just. I, mean, I don't even know mm. the name. Ask Nick for me. Yeah. Oh, I. He probably knows. Yeah. The, the hake jaw. Yeah. What is, I don't, what's hake that jaw. Part? What is it called now? Yeah. The underjaw, yeah. The underjaw, hake throat, hake throat. Mmm, sounds mm. delicious. Have you have you spent much time over in France or Spain? Have you gone any I've vineyards? I've spent a little bit of time in France, um, mainly in Paris. Though, so I haven't done a lot of vineyards. I've been a little bit to Loire Valley. I haven't done any vineyards in in Spain, but um, I'd like to. I definitely would love to get out to more vineyards. Mm. Yeah. Someday. Do you, yeah. do you like a, do you like a, do you know what my favorite white wine is? Is uh, like a good Chateau Neuf de Pop white. Mm, yeah. People, well, you don't really don't see that very often. I you? know. It's also like five billion dollars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so. Spend your life savings. It's so there. good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Katrina, I just want to say thank you so much for coming out on a Sunday and sitting yeah. with us. Thanks for having me. It's been yeah, fun. I'm so excited to come eat. I'm sorry you haven't yes. been in yet. Yeah. If come you guys, this afternoon. Um, yes. For anyone else who hasn't been to the Four Horsemen, um, you should check it out. It's in Williamsburg on Grand Street. Yeah. Two ninety five grand. Two ninety five grand. Yeah. We're um, open every night. Are, are you open <laughs> for brunch? Are you open night. for brunch? Not yet. Don't do I mean, it. thank God. We are don't not do it. <laughs> don't do it. Trust me. <laughs> um, but yeah, seven nights, five thirty from five thirty on the weeknights, and from three p.m. on the weekends. So nice afternoon beverage in the front window. Yeah. Well, it's definitely worth checking out. If you go there, make sure to ask for Katrina. Tell her that you listen to her, and she <laughs> will. Buy you a plate of hake throats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Promise. <laughs> yes. And ask her to sample all the wines by the glass. <laughs> She'll just give you a sample of every single one. Then you get out of there without Suicide spending style. any money. No. That's right. Yeah. Business is great. <laughs> just gonna, can I just try one more? I hate those people. Like, you know, I'm giving you a taste of this. And then they order the first glass that yeah, they try. Exactly. If they order one. Yeah. No. <laughs> You know, I'm going to stick with water. Yeah, and do you exactly. have a nice tea, maybe? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we will uh, We'll see you next Sunday. HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. 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 Listening.